Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present the Positive Talk Radio. Today we get one of my favorite people of all time, I think. I do have to tell you, he is a remarkable young man and um, he is an advisor, he's a coach, he's a spiritual advisor, and uh, we he just comes here and we just have a great time and talk about some stuff that, you know, that a lot of people are not delving into the way that we tend to delve into it. It really is a lot of fun. And so David Newkirk is here. David, how are you? I'm good, Kevin. Good afternoon. Thanks again for having me. I, I, I agree with you. We The conversations we get into are just great. They're, they're so, they can go deep, they can go wide, but um, we always get to cover a lot of territory when we do this. We, we do. And, and a lot of people are listening to the shows that you and I do together because they mean something and they have resonance, I think. Oh, that's, that's huge. Thank you for sharing that because I, I feel like if we can give resonance to people and they can relate and we can add some value to them while they're listening to help them, the participation of doing this is a home run. Thank you. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Now I, today I think that we're going to touch on something that I think is really cool. And I want to start with the fact that, uh, you know, when we talk about spirituality or growing in yourself and growing in your heart and, and being able to help folks and stuff, some people would say, that well you know that's easy once you get on that path it's really not a problem and it's easy for you to do and stuff and it's like no not really not really because you catch yourself doing all kinds of things that you used to do then didn't think anything of it and now you're realizing that that's not a very good way to live that's not a very good way to be and present yourself um so we're going to talk about a little bit about that today is that all right david Absolutely. That sounds perfect. That sounds like it's filled with a lot of good, a lot of good talking points for us today. I, 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 th- I know it will because it's, it is, um, it is something that, uh, you know, a lot of people that, especially when they get, just get started and they're excited about it and they learn, they learn about uh, what meditation is and it's not of the devil. And it's, it's a great way to relax and, and to, and to focus your brain and you focus your mind and, and mm-hmm. your heart and all those things. But uh, you get to a point and, and then it's like, um, how do I get rid of some of the things that have bothered me my entire life? Mm-hmm. And we were going to talk about negativity, judgment, the context of those things, because those obviously can be interesting topics in many different ways, even outside of spirituality in general conversation or, or rhetoric between people. But I think it's, I think it's a really interesting aspect on, on when we apply it to people who are, like you said, meditation, spirituality, that slice of life and where does it show itself? How do people work through it? How do they view it? Where's the trouble spots? And how do you actually, if you make the decision, the life has not been going the way that you want it to, mm-hmm. and you're going to make a fundamental change, mm-hmm. and you decide that uh, you pick up, as an example, you pick up a spiritual book, or you pick up a book that, that, that really resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, you know, this seems like a much better way to live, a much happier way of being. And yet, 
we have these blocks that come and they and they come to us from i don't know all kinds of places i suppose yeah it's it's really interesting i think part of what the work that i've i've actually been able to uncover at least with working with clients and and um the diversity of the work is there seems to be a very common denominator that um, gets flushed out. And I'll share it with you. It may seem like it's coming out of right field a little bit, but it's the use of language. Yes. Because even the word spirituality, you know, spirituality was a word for 40 years ago in the seventies and the sixties. If you were religious and you went to church, you called yourself spiritual all the promotions around church was spirituality. So spirituality used to be associated only with religion. And it's so much bigger now. It's inclusive of religion, but it means so much more in addition to from other perspectives, more from a universal perspective beyond the scope of a, of a religious belief only. And so that in and of itself, the word spirituality you put 20 people in the room, you'll get 20 different definitions to 20 people as to what spirituality means. And not only we get 20 different definitions, they will deviate from the dictionary definition. They will deviate from the social norm. They may even be someone's personal interpretation as to how they want it to mean for them. Exactly. Or they may create a version for themselves to promote it as a certain way for the way they want to do business and want it to be perceived. So it's very interesting that when people, like you said, you're trying to clear things out, or you're trying to work through things. The biggest challenge is when you're doing it, you're doing it a lot of times through or with interacting with other people. It's not just work you can only do in silence with yourself but you are being prompted to work through it on how you are interacting with other people. But one of the things is what happens when the word spirituality is, as an example comes up, I have an assumption as to what I think it means. You have an assumption as to what you think it means. We start talking, but we never level set that we're sharing the same definition for an actually fruitful conversation. Oh, exactly. By the way, what are the story I'm about to tell I don't want anybody to think that I'm anti-religion in any particular way, and I'm not. Uh, I grew up Lutheran. Um, I have the, still have the, the longest streak of attending Sunday school in a row of 10 years and two months um, and, and so forth. But So I don't want you to think this. But when I was working for a company at Arkansas, and they all went to the Southern Baptist churches, there and there were lots of reasons why they did that one was their boss went there so that they wanted to be um successful in their career so they thought that they could they should go there and um and hobnob with those with those people because that could benefit them in another way other than the internal spirituality religious practice and um it was funny because um, these guys lived in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. There were 8,000 people lived in the town. And so when we would do a, uh, uh, a trade show or something in Las Vegas, it was new to them. And the, the town was very small. And so Las Vegas is not very small. And to a person, every time, every time. And I would go there and I would rent a car because I live in Seattle, so it's close for me to do that. So, and uh, then I would pick them up and, and we would go to the hotel and stuff. But to a person. Every one of them said, where are the gentlemen's club? 
mm. around here. Now, for those of you who don't know what a gentleman's club is, it is a basically a strip joint. And so they would go to church every Sunday. They'd go to brunch after church. They would just hobnob with the bosses and all that kind of stuff. But they really were not interested in living a life that they could be proud of in, in a spiritual way. And that that is is that kind of a difference? Is that are there a lot of people that are like that? I think I think there are people who are who are yes who live different definitions right based on just where they're at. So you're asking a question which is a slippery slope because it would be easy for me to fall into the word judgment, right? Exactly. But, but there's no judgment. What what you're really asking me is with a response, it just is what it is. They're at where they're at. That's how they are. And for me, it's like, that's okay. This is where they're at. They're, you know, they're 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 working on what they want to work on with regards to spirituality or religion. They're not working on what they don't want to. And okay, that's that's just where they're at. That's good. It really doesn't serve any purpose at all for me to have a particular judgment on them. What I do, uh, I want to bring up a phrase to that I feel like I coined it, but at the same time, I'm sure I didn't because it's hard to have say something that someone has never said before. So I'm sure it's out there. I call it comparative judgment. And comparative, I've never heard that before. So. You haven't heard it. Comparative judgment to me is the need for me to compare myself to somebody else in order to form judgment or an opinion. Oh, yes. Which is in the case that I'm, I'm citing in my response was why not to not even compare, just to allow them to be where they are, let them feel how they are related to their spirituality or their religion and just let it rest, let it be. But a lot of times the initial response is we think situations and conversations are meant to solicit reaction. Mm -hmm. And to for someone to comparatively judge, which means, well, that's not how I would. That's not what I would do. That's not what I believe in. That's not the right thing to do. And then I pass judgment on that person because I'm comparing them to me, my beliefs, my values. And I'm using my rules as the rules for them and whether or not they're right or wrong. As you go down the road of getting rid of judgments, yes, then none of that none of that matters anymore. You, is that right? It, it's absolutely right because when we talk about spirituality, spirituality, it's really interesting from my perspective. Spirituality is only about working on oneself. That's it. So, getting into conversations. Uh, outside of obviously this this conversation we're having, but in general in life, having conversations where we spend our time evaluating how other people are working on themselves really is not spiritual. That's just full of judgment. And 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 when we work on ourselves, we're freeing ourselves from judgment because um, we're figuring out how can we expand, how can we be better. What are the areas where we would like to grow? What are the areas we feel good about having accomplished? And we're just focused on how how to move forward in some way or multiple ways. We, we, we end up staying out of the sandbox of not ignoring our observance of others because that's important, but we don't allow ourselves to fill our head with getting into the analysis of someone else's behavior 
and putting it in a framework of comparison to determine how we want to feel about it. It's, it's kind of like um, the, the, your old way of being is coming, is coming through a little bit because you're now comparing yourself to mm-hmm. other, you know, like, what's my job compared to his? But yes. I live in a bigger house. Yes. Uh, my wife is prettier. Uh, my kids are, are better at baseball or, what, you know, whatever judgments we put on folks to compare us to other folks, which at the end of the day, none of that matters, does it? It doesn't, but it does show an area that we may have to work on, which is actually a beautiful thing. So if we sort of flip the whole idea of judgment on its head, the fact that if we can recognize that we're doing judgment, that actually can be, and believe it or not, I believe a beautiful thing because it shows us a reflection of where we need to do work to grow and expand and be better. And so now that actually gave us an opportunity to be aware of something that we can develop, work, work on, and we get to decide if we want to. I have a question for you because yes. I drove a bus for 12 years and I was populated with a lot of different bus drivers and a lot of different people who rode the bus. A lot of them were what we could, would call 3%. They were the bottom 3% of the population. And so when one of the struggles that I had early on was if there was somebody that was, as an example, drug addicted or was homeless or was not or was not a very nice human being to other people, my initial sense is they're a bad person. But eventually I came to understand that they're doing what they're doing. It's none of my business what they're doing and, and just to care for them and love them and hope that whatever outcome that they have, because I tend to believe that that is the outcome that they've created for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's not my responsibility to tell them that they're wrong or be judgmental over them. Um, but just to love them and to help them. Is that, is that, is that where you try and go to uh, rather than be judgmental? Yes, because um, I'm so glad you brought that up as an example because if we were to, if I was to unpack that in, in a couple of quick thoughts here, the, the first thought that I have is um, if, if we don't judge somebody, but they're going through those things that you talked about, the 3% that, and, and the different things they were experiencing that you saw, we don't know the story, but judgment creates vacillation of our own emotions because judgment means that there's two outcomes. You either judge something positively or negatively, satisfactorily or unsatisfactorily, acceptable or non-acceptable. And we build these paradigms of just positive and negative, where positive and negative don't even need to exist as the two outcomes. We don't need to shape things in our world as being positive or negative. But if we hold compassion and unconditional love as the emotion without vacillating through the things that judgment creates for us, we can see things actually more clearly and actually be more grounded and actually sometimes see things that we're not seeing in that person's situation that actually gives us more aha understanding. When we're in judgment, we're vacillating in emotion, and that's taking a little bit of a control of us. 
we're not seeing things necessarily with clarity and we might be missing some of the details that are right in front of us that are helping us understand what that person is going through or how they are. Is that, does that also apply to events that happen in our life that we make judgments about? Absolutely. But it, uh, it, it's easy, I think, in order to, is to re- do role reversal. I would be very curious, uh, even for the listeners, if they're able to identify and even identify a single instance where they were a certain way and they said, I, I was judged and I shouldn't have been. My intention was not how they said it was for me. I didn't, I didn't do it the way they said I did for what motivations or reasons. A clear example. It's, it's, be, it's the feeling of being on the other side. Well, it was unfair that they judged me. It was unfair they said those things about me. They had that view. That's not how I was thinking when I did this, whatever the situation is. That wasn't my intention. It was all for good. So it's very easy if we allow ourselves to understand that when we flip that judgment in reverse, we've been a victim of those things unfairly too. Yet there's still a pension for us at some level to perhaps, perhaps use judgment to make ourselves feel better about our own situation. It's interesting that you say say that because a a real quick story comes to mind. I was the dining room manager at the Doubletree Plaza Hotel. It was Sunday brunch. We had a waiting line. And so I was taking names for people so that they could seat them in order. And a lady comes up to me and she says, and I said, can I have your name, please? And she said, my name is uh, Yakamoto. And uh, I said, oh, great. Could you spell that? And and she said, and I said, isn't that the admiral that led the attack on Pearl Harbor? Now, keeping in mind that I'm a history guy. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was just a point of reference. It was not meant to be derogatory in any way shape or form well the next day i come to work and i have this please see me from my from the uh, food and beverage director and he and he said uh, did you call this lady by her name and i said well yeah she said she called in and complained about you because she felt that you were being racist and derogatory towards her and i said that did, and and stuff so and that's to your point that happens all the time to people. It, it does. And, and that's really where miscommunication comes into play, right? And that's where emotions come in and reactions and conflict are, you know, com- comes into play. But what's really interesting is as we become more spiritual, the conversation changes naturally and organically is what I, I've seen uh, with people. And what I, for instance, the language that could change in what you experienced is that I'm not, I'm not saying or indicating that you were not spiritual at the time, but just in terms of, go ahead. I'm sorry. I know I was going to say I wasn't at the time I had, that was before my, uh, my, my epiphany, if you will. Oh, okay. Cause I just wanted to call it out cause you use it as an example. I just wanted to try to elaborate a little bit how it, it may be different um, would be, uh, where in a spiritual way, our language changes. We're like, you know, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I don't know if you're a history buff at all. That name sounds very familiar. Um, I don't know if, I don't know how you, you know, you sort of position it where you're more concerned about how you're going to be received for the comment or as you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, I'm not going to say anything at all. You have a wider awareness 
of how you're in the moment positioning those thoughts and you're really more cognizant and you either hold back or you rephrase it more softly. But that one's a tough one to try to rephrase and still get through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was one of those, see, I am have always been trying to be positive and upfront. Mm -hmm. And I perceive myself as being that. And so I don't perceive that when I say something that somebody else may perceive as being off color or wrong, that, that I am actually doing that. So, um, but, but you can't control what somebody else feels or thinks about what you're doing. All you can, if your intentions are there and they're mm -hmm. good intentions, is that enough? That's a good question. I should have asked that. Yeah. And, and, and the, here's the thing though, when, we are caught in being misunderstood, right? So in the moment. Happens to me all the time, David. It does. <laughs> the interesting thing is in that moment, we have an opportunity in the moment to actually, in being misunderstood, be okay with being misunderstood. So in other words, I said something, I'll say something, I won't mean it the way it was received. I can see the other person's receiving it the wrong way. And my instant reaction is not to get emotional. My instant reaction is my way of being is to stay grounded and neutral. And inside myself, if I'm that loving person, that unconditional, that compassion person, I actually are able to, very naturally to say, I'm so sorry, I misspoke. It's not what I, we actually can address it right there and apologize right on before they even have a chance to see, say anything because we're actually seeing the reaction we just created. Uh, yeah. Right. And we can jump ahead of it or we can actually just really, really apologize. The thing about, um, the thing about uh, negativity judgment is when we get caught making a mistake and we know we were not trying to do something. We could feel like the most immediate reaction is our integrity is now being challenged because it's not what we meant and we consider ourselves a high integrity person. We consider ourselves a good person. And then as soon as something comes out or an experience is delivered from us with somebody and we're feeling the energy or experiencing their physical reaction or maybe their reaction verbally that challenges how we thought we were being, it can really be upsetting because we don't want to be perceived as not having integrity or caring. And so in the moment, it could be very paralyzing because we don't know how to, how to fix what all of a sudden we are highly sensitive to and are really concerned about. How can you fix it if some if some somebody has got an uh, based upon what you said has got an opinion and uh, even though that you correct yourself or you say oh that wasn't what I intended and stuff how do you help them understand that that's that's true so that they because a lot of people say oh yeah sure sure no that's what you intended you just saw my reaction and so that's you know so they don't change their opinion of you and I suppose that's none of our business that that happens. It's one of those things where I think that's where we have to be okay, right? Yeah. The, the, it, we lose being grounded when we react emotionally and we're like, we, we're in our mind, we're like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And we want to try to keep explaining our way because we feel the urge to convince them that's not what we meant, that's not how we are.
Right. And we're trying to correct the perceived reputation of us. And we've, in the moment, we're not even realizing how obsessed we are with trying to figure out how to correct it. We just do a lot of talking and try to keep the conversation alive because we want to try to figure out how can we keep talking and wording it in a way where they'll actually relent and say, okay, yes, you're sorry. And sometimes that just makes it worse because we're holding that person captive to a bunch of rhetoric that's satisfying, uh, trying to satisfy our issue right there of that insecurity of how we're being perceived and is doing nothing for the other person. And at the same time, the other person is being judgmental towards you. <laughs> yes. And, and they're not willing to give up that judgment. Absolutely. And, and that's why sometimes we have to just think about, I know what my intention was. I know I spoke in a way that was not cool. Uh, I'm going to fix that going forward. I'm going to reflect on this, but I'm going to be, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. We have to be okay with making mistakes. Mm -hmm. We're human. We have to be okay with not always being able to fix everything. We, of course, it's always good to try to fix everything or try to clarify, right? Or try to reposition so that, people we we do give the opportunity for someone to really understand us but because we can't control how the other person has made the decision to your point we have to be okay with letting that go but how many times do people go home after being out and that happens and their whole night is ruined but i can't you know they can't think they can't clear their mind they're like, I was going to cook dinner tonight. I can't. Let's just get takeout. I, I, I'm not. I'm not in the right frame. Quote. I'm not in the right frame of mind. It happens all the time. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's like I can't believe that they thought that of me, and I'm really am mm -hmm. a good person. But you know, at the end of the day, you can't. You can. In that particular case with that lady, she walked away. So I never saw her again. She didn't say anything to me. She just decided to go write a complaint. And um, there's nothing you can do about that. And that's okay. It's totally okay. We just have to grow from it. Yeah. Grow from it. <laughs> Part of the growing is actually learning to be okay with making mistakes that you can't fix. Yeah, I, as an example, if somebody were to walk up, if I was still in the restaurant business and somebody were to walk up to me and say, hi, can I get your name, please? And they say, yeah, my name's Hitler. I would not bring up the fact that Adolf Hitler was uh, in. The, I would just leave it alone and say, that's a nice name. Well, let me write that down. How do you spell that? Well, and that's why spirituality is about self-discovery, self-understanding and growth and expansion and work on yourself. Because what we've been talking about are things that we can work on to improve ourselves when we're with people. This is, this is a great example of the work that we can do because we learn and find out where we do do missteps, where the actions don't match the intentions, and we figure out how to do those actions differently in style, technique, or words that better match our intention, that better match how someone can receive it. And that that's a good thing because we're growing. We're growing and we're improving how we are. I would love you are such a such a learned man and you're you're very spiritual and you've got by the way, you've also got a coaching business and mm -hmm. you're doing all kinds of things. You just like to come here because we have a great conversation, you and I. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. But I wanted to ask you because this happens all the time, this involves negativity. Mm -hmm. Um my um mother grew up and was 
she always led with a negative. Um, or even if she led with a positive, it would be like, as an example, I've used this before. Um, I was a baseball player, football player, and all that. And uh, if I had a really good game, she would say, you had a really good game, but. And then that would be followed by what I could have done better or, or something else. It became to the point of where I began to ignore the compliment because I didn't know, I no longer believed it because it was followed by a negative. Um, and the negative I believed rather than the positive. I think that happens to a lot of us. How do we get away from that? Well, I think, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting because it's almost as if I, if I could share a perspective on what you just said and how, how it appears to me. Um, it appears to me that this it's a setup statement the positive is not what is really felt the positive is the setup statement to deliver the negativity exactly right and so you zone out on the positive because you know the purpose of the conversation the common is really to talk about the negativity uh aspects and so you see it as they're here just to talk about the negative stuff the the beginning is just fluff it's not really meant it's really this is where they're focused so it it's very it's very common in parenting circles, right? For parents to stress, you know, the idea of doing better and doing more, and I find that that's just a whole bailiwick of all. There's a whole bunch of things in there which we could talk about, but you're talking also about when you're a parent, a parent versus a child. We don't have this level of thinking that you and I are talking about as a child we're sponges we're absorbing these things we're absorbing these reactions we're absorbing these experiences and and if we're if we're sent highly sensitive or sensitive to these things they really have an effect on us i don't know that there's much you can do as a child because you're still developing you're still forming you're still just taking things in you're trying to figure out lots of things about what you're taking in but i think as an adult we can be exposed to these things as well from people. We can be in dysfunctional relationships where these things do occur, where people give us the setup statements to, to give us the whammy of the negative. You, you see so many videos, so many people, so many professionals talking about narcissism and all these things, right? And talking about how you get gaslighted and all these things. So what you just described has been take has taken on a whole life of its own. Do you get gaslit? Do you, do you deal with a narcissist? What are the three top three signs to know you're living with a narcissist or you're working for one? All these things that just keeps everything alive. That just keeps everything propagated. What, I think what we're really talking about is when we're an adult and we have an awareness that this is happening now, we're, we're being given negative. How do we stay in our own power, our empowerment of self and say, I appreciate you'd like to give me some feedback. I don't need any. Thank you. Yeah. How do we shut the door politely and lovingly and, and actually find our own words in our own way, our own style that we're comfortable with to actually say, no, thank you that that would be that would be huge because one of the things is is one of the byproducts of it and by the way i've discovered this recently in the last five or six years um and i'm 65 years old so i suspect that this goes on for because for many many years i would get a compliment and i've had many mm -hmm. and i would always in the back of my mind 
getting the compliment and then saying, yeah, but what? And so I never respected the compliment to be real and honest as, as, and as it was probably intended, Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's where this work comes into play from a spiritual perspective, which is you have all this familial conditioning that occurred and it carries forward in instances with everybody else that's not your family. And how are you able to change your view on those things so that you no longer carry the legacy of the past as the way you will experience them in the future with other people? Yes. That takes a lot of awareness. It takes awareness. It takes the idea of what they call clearing and clearing by definition in the spiritual aspect is recognizing the things like you were describing from your past that they still bother you. They still have an effect on you. You may feel it energetically in your body. When you think about it, it may create a physical feeling somewhere as well as an emotion. And how do you move through those emotions so you can process those things, you can grieve them, you can do whatever it is that are the emotions that you are holding back and and tamping down, let them bubble up, let the energy move through your body. And we talked about, you know, in the past, modalities can help you move energy through the body, move through emotions. Um, so that you clear those out, you're not holding them and they don't become anything that's in you. That's a catalyst for reacting to something new from somebody when they're just giving you positive feedback, you're no longer thinking about, okay, when's the negative coming? Cause you've released everything that legacy was tied in, in you. And the other thing I, I wanted to ask you about, about that is getting compliments. Mm-hmm. I know lots of people that when they get a compliment, their first thing is, well, no, you know, thank you. And, but no, how do you teach people to just let it be and say, thank you? You know what? I'm smiling so much. I love, I, I can't believe you asked me this question because it's something I work on with people all the time because there are a lot of heart centered people who like to give and like to help but they, a lot of times they have a problem receiving. Yes. And so this is what I say, and I hope this is helpful to you and to the audience. I'll say, when you give as a heart centered person and help somebody and they actually receive what you say, you've helped them and you know, they're now in a better place. How do you feel? And they say, you, you say, I feel great. I feel good. It's nice to know that I help someone. It makes, makes my day knowing that I was able to make a, an impact with somebody. I said, okay, so you're now in the reverse role where someone is giving to you to help you have that type of impact on the other side. And by saying no, you're denying them the feelings that you get when you do it. Oh, so the so it so we're thinking about it's okay for us to give so we can have a certain feeling of feeling like we're doing good things and positive and we're helping but we're going to deny the other person to have those feelings when they give to us because we're rejecting it when I, you know I, most people who will have never thought of that as as being a potential outcome because most of it is like oh you can't really either possibly mean that or it wasn't that big of a deal or you know whatever it is but but you're right you're and you're taking their power away yes so what we're doing is we're deflecting 
but we're also denying them to feel as good as we feel when we do it. And we're making it a one-way street only. So it's kind of a form of judgment, isn't it? Well, yeah, there's, there's, there could be things packed in there, right? Um, yeah, and that could be one of them. But I, it could be just also an innate reaction, sort of like you had the innate reaction. Positive news means negative is coming because you've been so conditioned. So some people could be conditioned to to deflect receiving through, you know, the way they grew up and the way things were handled. And, you know, they just naturally have a hard time receiving for whatever reason through through their childhood that was an issue. Um, but the nice thing is we can recognize that if we are a heart-centered person, we should allow someone to feel good by giving to us. Yeah. And we should, if we are gracious in receiving, we are giving them joy. And that is just another, because a lot of us spend our whole lives trying to give other people joy. And if we're denying them their joy by we're denying that their compliments or whatever, then we're not so fulfilling what we came here to do. That's right. Yeah, we've built in this un, and I think people don't even realize that they've built in no, this bias of you know give not receive, no give more than receive. But what really happens is, as if we receive and give in the same equal amount of um, acknowledgement and awareness to it, that means we, we really are doing all the work that we're here to do. How long, going down your life path, mm-hmm. did you? discover what you're really here to do was it were you a younger man was it was it you were you a little older when you when you came to the realization that i'm 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 more than what i've been doing and i want or more than what i've been being yeah which is a better word for me i think and uh, became became the type of it became a seeker because i don't know that you, do you ever get done seeking your spiritual self and your a better way to be? Yeah. I, I'll answer the question that I'll actually share with you a personal story as to how it happened, if that's okay. Because yeah, it's the only way I can. Well, and and the, the, David, the reason that's important is that every, it happens to everybody. Yes. There's a point in time in their life when they, they reach the conclusion that this isn't enough, that they want more, that, they, that, that why am I really here? Mm. And a lot of people will say, I guess it's just to play golf on the weekends, but oh well. Uh, but some people take it differently. What was it for you? Yeah, I, I you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm surprised, I'm stunned that you asked the question, but I'm glad that you asked the question because I've never shared this before with anybody outside of my, uh, you know, my my media close friends and my partner. Um, it happened for me because, and as you know, I've, ever since I was six years old, I've just been different in terms of like, you know, facilitating healing and all the things that go on for me, you know, Akasha records and everything. But to your question, I was um, a senior in college. I went to Penn State University. I was a senior. I, we were, uh, I have one sister and she's three years older. She came down for my graduation and we were at the Hilton Hotel and we were in the restaurant at the hotel for dinner for after graduation. And that was the moment. The moment was I was looking at my parents, my mother and my father, and I, I had known some of their own personal history, of course, right? I'm their son. I know some of their history. My dad was a foster child. He was put in a foster home 
from a broken household where his dad had left at an early age. He was the oldest of three brothers. But his mother, when she put him and his two brothers in a foster home, her job after that was to be a nanny to other kids. Right. He so he grew up in a very difficult situation. Take Eve's with all this with his two brothers, but in a foster home, had very difficult life, became very successful as an airline pilot for Delta Airlines and did a lot for himself. But there were a lot of challenges for him as a human being. My mother came from a, a childhood where um, she was told by her mother that her mother tried to abort her. By jumping rope in the basement when she was pregnant with her, and that lived with my mother. And she had an older brother and a younger sister, and she was the middle child. But things like that stuck with her and had a huge effect on her. But one thing that I noticed, and here I am, I'm 21 years old, and I realized that my parents were never told by anybody that they love them. They've never heard the words from anyone, I love you. I don't know if they said it to each other. I can tell you my household was very difficult. My household at times was very dysfunctional in many ways. Um, but I, I realized, look where my father was. Look where he is now. Regardless of his starting point of the household with me, look how far he came relative to where he started in his own life. And so I removed myself from, hey, Look at all the issues and all the challenges he presented to me in a dysfunctional household and all the things I had to go through. I'm proud of him for what he accomplished because I can see all the things that he had to accomplish to get where he is, even though it's a tough starting point for me entering into his life and how things unfolded for me. And so I told him I loved him. My father right now is 89 years old. He tells me he loves me every time he talks to me on the phone. Every time he sees me in person, he tells me he loves me. And he would always tell my two kids that he loves them. Game changer for him. Because someone actually said, I love you, gave them unconditional love, and didn't spend time in all the things that represented his life, where things were hard for me. It's a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Because it also is very indicative of our our um, experiences as we move through life. Yes. That when we are not we are not a finished product until we're finished, and so we are continually working to evolve into more than was here yesterday. At least I at least I am, and I know you are as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm work in progress. But yeah. what's this? This goes to the point of. I didn't judge him. I wasn't yeah. focused on negativity of what was going on, you know, in the dynamics of my life with him. I, I moved out of that to answer your question. And it changed everything going forward. It changed the household. It changed the energy. It changed everything. It's just, it's just that I had to be the one to get it going. And I'm like, okay. I'm not like, yeah, I got it going. I'm just like, okay, I got it going and everything changed. Everything's good. I, I just, I don't see it as anything special that I did. I just see it as something that I did because it warranted it in the moment. It was there. I had clarity. And it was just a good thing. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, does your dad, looking back on that, does he have kind of the same um, um, 
thoughts about it as you do, or did it kind of, I'm sure it shocked him because it was not something that was openly said in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and it also changed his behavior. Do you think he remembers that, that particular moment? I don't know that he does. You're right. The, the, I do laugh because the shock on both of my parents' faces when I said it was very physical in their face. It was very, very, very clear. Um, it, it makes me laugh to this day. Um, I don't think that he does. I don't know that he's in a place where he reflects on that moment at all. I think I hold that moment more closely of that being a, a, a game changer in so many things in the for him and for the family life and all of that. I don't think he does, but I'm like, that's okay. It doesn't matter. The fact that he said to me one day, I'm a work in progress. He said to me about himself. He just was, he's very humbly. He just said, I'm a work in progress. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Means there's so much built into that. He reflects on everything he was. He reflects where he is. He reflects where he thinks he wants to go. And to say in all of that body of personal work, I'm a work in progress, it means he 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 does have a, a bunch of self-awareness, the reflection as to where he's been, where he is, and where he wants to go. And that's awesome. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. It's And it's fun. I hope everybody has an opportunity to have a conversation like you had with your dad. Or I had with, it was Thanksgiving. I was a teenager. All the kids had left the table, and sitting around the table was my mother, my mother, my father, my grandmother, my grandfather on the other side, my aunt and my uncle, and me. And I'm looking at them, and they were all in their late 50s or early 60s. And I'm looking at them and saying, you know, all these people are going to be gone soon. Hmm. Um, they're, you know, and so I, I made, I made the effort to say, you know, I really appreciate you guys. You guys have always, and they, you know, in, oh, no, come on, poo-poo. <laughs> but I think that it had an impact on them deep down. And I know it had an impact on me because I could then say, you know, I, I appreciate you guys for who you mm-hmm. are. And they're all gone now. Um, but they're not gone, if you know what I mean. But <laughs> that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I, I, I think what's really, really important is that when we move away from even determining was something positive, let alone something negative, when we just move away from that as our focal point, we can see very clearly what really is there in front of us and what really is beautiful about the person that's in front of us or before us. Even going back to the earlier um, scenario, you drafted about the three people, the 3%, you know, and those people. At the end of the day, regardless of any challenges, issues, or the way people are that are different than what people want want to prefer to, to see in somebody else, in and of itself, life is beautiful. Life is always a budding flower for everybody. We do get to pick and choose what we do and don't want to see in somebody. We get to, We do get to pick and choose how wide of a lens or narrow of a lens we want to see things. We do get to see if we want to embellish something or do the opposite and not allow someone to show something beautiful that they are showing and we can negate it. So we we really do have this unique thing about us where we really are controlling what we are allowing ourselves to see in truth and reality. 
But the more we move forward in spirituality and we are grounded and we are just holding compassion and love and we don't vacillate our emotions, which create bias in how we view things, we do get to see that clarity. And we do get to see some of those budding flowers that are, are in people. Um, it can be harder in some people because some people can be extremely difficult in their, in their way. I get it. I get it. And I understand that. And I'm not saying I'm not talking about toxic positivity either, where we just like everything's great. Everything's great. Everyone's beautiful. Everyone is a budding flower. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it gives us the opportunity to at least truly see what is there versus somehow skewing what, what is and isn't there, which, you know, isn't always truthful, but we believe it to be the truth. Exactly. And, and there are, there are times at least I would ask your opinion about this and we're going to, dang it, we're going to run out of time again, but we're going to have to do this again, David, but what's your opinion on this? Because in the last four, three or four years, I think that it, it has really become a major, major issue within a lot of families at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the dysfunctionality and the and the negativity and the judgment that's going on in our country between peoples and between political parties and all of that. Um, I have a good friend who is a um, conservative uh, Republican person, and so he was a Trump supporter. And a major Trump supporter. And I couldn't, we couldn't even, we couldn't even talk on any level about, you know, what I would say, you know, but he's a womanizer and he doesn't treat people well. And he, he you know, and he's, no, that's not true. And so we couldn't even communicate. Mm-hmm. So at one point in time, I made the decision, you know, Mike, I love you. I bless you. I'm leaving you. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to you anymore mm-hmm. because it doesn't serve me and, and where I'm trying to go in my own life. Did I make a mistake there? That's one of those things that's really hard uh, as you negotiate through life. I don't think you made a mistake at all. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because this is also another example of, of what I try to explain. Let's, let's use, for example, you know, like a bow and arrow target, you have the circles in the target, the three or four yeah. circles, right? So think of think of the outer circle as people that you are you know of and you sort of know them you run into them every now and then you may say hello they say hello and that's that's the extent you're like oh they're always nice they're always smiling so you sort of like know people on the periphery and there's a pleasant exchange but there's no real socialization the next ring on the inside are the people you have quote a rapport with which is you can have a healthy conversation with but they're not anyone that you hang out with. But when you see them, you may, they're a friend of a friend. And when you're at the same party, you have a nice conversation. You feel like you have a good rapport. People will confuse that and say the word relationship, but it's actually just a rapport. The next inner circle is a relationship, which are the people by which you actually spend time with and enjoy spending time with. The inner circle, the bullseye, is the intimacy circle, the circle by which you are willing to share things of yourself with other people that you won't share with others. And it's usually a select few. But here's what happens in life. To your point, people are constantly moving in and out of those three, four circles. (laughs) They sure are. Because you change, they change, 
you have less in common. Someone on the outer circle, all of a sudden you find you have a tremendous amount in common and they move right into your inner circle in the bullseye all the way from the outside. Someone's in the bullseye, they move to a rapport because you don't want to end the relationship. But when you see him, you're nice to them, but you really don't want to spend time with them as much anymore. So people are growing. People are growing and changing or not changing and staying the same while someone else is growing. But the dynamics of the relationship are no longer aligned. In that, in that a change of alignment... People move from the center of the circle or one of those rings to a further outer circle. But at the same time, you find new relationships or new healthy introductions to people where they move through those circles. And that's just a constant shifting in life. You're going to have that, I think, all the time. By the way, can you hear that dog? I cannot. Oh, good. Good, because I just got a new dog the day before yesterday, and he doesn't bark, and now he's over in the other room barking like crazy. But uh, I just want to make sure that I, because what you just said was really cool, and we're going to make a short out of that, I think. I'm gonna, I'll tell them that, that we need to, to do that, because that, that, that is really what, what it is for all of us for, as we go through life. And, and I just want to be surrounded by people who care and are loving and and care about each other and and stuff like that so um yeah i'm the same i'm the same way but i think the challenge is real quick kevin i think one of the challenges is that when we are married to the attachment of the way things used to be with somebody uh we have a hard time moving them out of out of one one of those circles into a different one because we have an emotional, energetic connection to them of what was, and we have a hard time letting go. Yeah, it's, that is so true. Right? But what happens is when we don't let go of those, we don't create space for new relationships to come in. And that is that that also is, you know, that, that's a, that really is a beautiful dynamic, mm-hmm. is, is that if you, if you continue to grow and when the energy doesn't suit you anymore, somebody is going to come in and fill that energy at a higher level. That's the law of attraction. That's what abundance is. Abundance law of attraction has nothing to do with money, but it has to do with your way of being that you decide to be. When you make changes where other people are misaligned now in your way of being of how you want to be every day, that space is created and now other people who are in a similar vibration or similar way of being, which is, you know, people say, where's my tribe? You know, where are people like me? You sent, you, you can then find each other and fill that space. Oh, exactly. Exactly. By the way, David, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, uh, how do they do that? They can reach out to me on email. Um, it's D Newkirk, N E W K I R K, at ethos, E T H O S, consults, C O N S U L T S dot com. They could send me an email and ask a question. I'd be more than happy to uh, spend time giving them as much as much of I can of a response, a thorough response to whatever question they have. Well, and I really appreciate you coming and doing this again. Well, you have to come back. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> more than happy to kevin thank you you're very kind that way thank you we ain't done yet because there's so many different aspects and i learn so much every time i talk to you it really it really is a a cool thing and uh, i really appreciate you taking the time is there anything before we go that you would like to um tell our audience uh yeah um in the heat of the, of the moment of the question i would say 
allow yourself to be okay with how you feel about making changes in relationships that it's really about making sure that you're in a good place that you're you're in a place where you're surrounded by the people uh that are aligned to you and um it's okay to have challenges letting go and it's a process but allow yourself the grace of going through making those changes without having regrets it's just the way to do it you can find a good way to do it that makes you feel more comfortable than less and try not to have any regrets do what do what's right as best you can Yes. And not that, not that you're going to be perfect because you're a human. And then next time we talk, can we talk about self-forgiveness? I would love to. That's a big one. I, that's, that, a, that's a big one. Yes, I would love to. Because a lot of times we, as we're going through this journey, mm-hmm. we don't forgive ourselves and we end up taking ourselves down. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, there's a lot of angles on that, too. Some many that aren't just aren't just plain obvious either. I would love to talk about that. I think that could be very helpful to our listeners. Which is the key. That's that's why we're doing what. That's why we do this, ladies and gentlemen, so that you can participate and it gives you something to think about. And um, whether or not you buy into anything, that's up to you. But I want to thank you for for tuning into this and listening to us. And it's been. It's, it's been my pleasure to bring David Newkirk here. And again, um, email him again at dnewkirk at ethosconsults.com. You're a wonderful man. I thank you for being here. It's, it's great to see you. If you'll wait right there, I will be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.